Luke chapter 1. And just for a few moments, let's just teach on uh, Mary, favorite of God. And, and we'll do everything in our power to get you home before midnight. Uh, Luke chapter 1, one verse of scripture, verse 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. That's Luke 1, 28. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, for a few moments as we consider this verse, speak to all of our hearts. We do count ourselves blessed. And we are grateful for how wonderful you are to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Obviously, this is a story about the uniqueness of Mary's circumstance. But I want you to notice in verse 28 how the description of her is she's highly favored. Now, favor is something we all seek to enjoy. And, and I don't think anybody have ever, has ever wanted to fall out of favor with anybody. But it happens. You look in the Old Testament, you'll see where Laban said to Jacob, I know that God has favored me because of your presence working with me. And let's not forget that in Ruth chapter 2, she said to Boaz, If now I have found favor in your eyes, let me work in your field. And of Esther, the scripture says of all the different ladies that were uh, selected to be a part of the opportunity to become the wife of the king. It says she obtained favor in the eyes of the king. Favor is a powerful thing. And if you have it on your life, then that means you're going to experience the riches or the richness of blessings that you never could have acquired on your own. People under the old covenant, of course, they had a covenant with the king. But when the angel says to her, she's highly favored, he's not speaking of a covenant. He's telling her she's highly favored because of a specific choice. God has selected her for a particular mission, a task or an assignment has been given unto her. And because of that, she's highly favored of God. Now, you and I, we don't live under the old covenant. But we understand this and we know this very clearly that when Jesus was born, it was a miracle. He lived without sin. That was a miracle. You remember when he was baptized, the Bible says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that son died on the cross for your sins and mine, then was placed in the ground, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the father. And now anyone who's born from above, born again, born anew, or now born into the family of God regenerated in the very likeness and image of the Lord Jesus Christ and what God said of his son, he now says of all of us, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. So we have a covenant then that ensures that we're not just favored, but just like Mary, we're highly favored. And you need to approach your relationship with God in that way to know that this isn't an average uh, form of status that you have with God. This is above and beyond anything you could have ever conceived, even asked of, or even thought of, because I guarantee you, Mary, on no day in her life would she ever have thought that she would give birth to the Messiah. But yet she was chosen. 
and your path, your life, and the things that God has assigned to you, I can, I can promise you it is because if you've been walking with him, you're favored. And the favor of God on your life is different than the favor of God on someone else's life. And however it is expressed by the hand of God in you, you need to know it is a blessing. Mary, of course, you can see in verse 27, she wasn't even legally wed, but they were yet engaged. I don't know what the age bracket was here. People guesstimate all the time, but I have no idea. But I, I know this. It wasn't uncommon out here 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago for young ladies to get married at 14, 15, 16. I've had people that I pastored out here that have told me that they crossed the border into Kansas, got married when they were 15. Think about that. So it's not uncommon for those days. It's certainly uncommon for today. But Mary... She was engaged. She was found with child. Joseph didn't believe it. <coughs> he didn't believe that she was uh, faithful any more, any more than any of us would have. If you would have been engaged to someone and that person would have then came and told you that they were pregnant and you knew you hadn't been with them, you know this is a problem. And I'm sure this is exactly what Joseph thought. The scripture says Joseph was trying to figure out how to get rid of her without shaming her. As far as he was concerned in his mind, the thing was severed. But in ancient times, just like today, when two families get together and decide that people are going to come together in holy matrimony, there's an exchange of dowry in this part of this, the world, which means that they're going to be goods that are going to be given from the groom's side to the bride's side. And believe me when I tell you, you can't get around it. You can't get around it in the Middle East. You can't get around it in Central Asia. You can't get around it in Africa. Everybody has to pray, pay a bride price. Not here in America, not in Europe, but everywhere else. There's something that has to be given to the family of that bride. You say, what is it? Insurance. It, it, it's money to make sure that uh, uh, that daughter is well taken care of. It's also insurance just in case something were to fall apart. But if a divorce does come, then everything that's given to that bride's family now has got to be given back. So nobody wants to go through the shame of having to disperse all of that. So they just stay together. But here you've got two people that have now been engaged but have not consummated the marriage physically nor been legally wed. And Mary's womb is growing. She's got a baby in it. And Joseph wasn't so pleased about that until the angel came to him in a dream and said to him, this is of God. This is all in Matthew now. This is of God and you don't put her away, but you will marry her. And God changed the course of Joseph's life with one dream. I don't know if the dream was 10 minutes, three minutes or an hour and a half long, but I do know the trajectory of his life was altered because of one visitation from God in the dream. And if, if, if you've had significant instances occur in your life that kept you from going down a wrong path, you know how significant this was. Maybe you were thinking, well, you know, I should, I'm contemplating this, and I'm thinking about doing this, 
And you can have everything planned out with what you want to do the same way Joseph did. But God comes to Joseph and says, absolutely not. And because of that, he ends up in the book as the caretaker of, of our Savior. Well, verse 28 then tells us the angel said to Mary, the Lord is with you. That's good to know. No matter where you go, God's with you. It's, it's wonderful to have family with you. It's wonderful to have a good friend with you. Much better to have the Lord with you. With all the travels that I do, <clears throat> I'm always glad to have my wife with me, you know. But it's so much better to have the Lord with us as we travel. I like to have my wife with me because, you know, I like to make sure I can pamper her and look after her. She actually cares for me on all of these trips. She makes sure everything's packed that needs to be packed. But if, if God is with you, what can you do? You can be bold. You can be courageous. What can you expect? The favor of God to bring blessing upon your life. Even if the presence and the favor of God attracts controversy, you've got to understand the Lord is still with you. Because favor doesn't mean there's going to be a hedge put around you so that you don't have controversy. Remember, God favored Mary and Mary almost lost her marriage. So the favor of God sometimes can bring controversy, dissension. But God knows how to fix that and repair that if people have a heart for him. So if God is with you, even when relationships have been severed, God can repair them, reconcile them. And only he can do that. We've we've tried on our own to reconcile a whole lot of relationships. And you know how that works out. That never work out because most people tend to say, well, you know, I, I'm willing to forgive, but you're going to have to change this <laughs> or change that. And if you get two parties that say, OK, we're both willing to forgive, but the other party has to change this or change that, then you know nobody's going to get any kind of forgiveness or reconciliation. But the good thing about the blood of Jesus Christ is when we come to him, he reconciles us unto him. And if there is any change, it's going to be changing on our part because he doesn't need to change. But in, on this human level, then, we've got to understand that if God is with us, we've got to be willing to be godly. And God has shed his love in our hearts so that we can live the life that he wants us to live. And then the final sentence of verse 28 says, blessed art thou among women. Blessed, not cursed, but blessed. And you should consider yourself as a male blessed among all men and as a female blessed among all women. You don't need to be jealous of anybody. You don't need to be uh, angry because blessing has come to someone else above yourself. And even when we're preaching overseas and we're talking to people who literally have nothing, nothing, we always encourage them with this one thing. Like I told these pastors that I was sitting there with, I said, no matter what, you've got God. And everybody else can mock you. They can tease you. They can say your church is nothing and you're poor. But I said, if you have the presence of God, then people will come. And when they sense the presence of God, they will want to be in the presence of God. Because in his presence is favor. His favor is life. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Carnally minded people won't be interested in the presence of God. They'll be interested in how you dress and what kind of sound system you have. But people that diligently seek after God and have a hunger for God will crave the presence of God. So it says here, blessed art thou among women. 
If she's blessed, I'm blessed. None of us have given birth to the Messiah, but we all have the Messiah dwelling in our hearts. And because he's in our hearts, we're blessed. Don't ever allow anybody to curse your end. Curse your future. Curse your destiny. What does that mean? You know, the, the, the phrases you've heard people say before. Oh, you're going to end up just like your grandfather. Don't ever accept something like that. Just hold to what the word says. I'm thinking of that story I read many, many years ago in a newspaper about a, a man who had spent most of his life in jail. His grandfather. And uh, one day he took his son. I think this was over in Oregon where they had a prison. I forget what prison might have been Pelican Bay, but one of them prisons they had out there that <clears throat> that grandfather took his son and walked him up to the fence. They were standing outside the prison and he said to his boy, he said, I spent a lot of my years there. And he said, I just want to bring you here so you get a chance to see where you'll probably spend a lot of your years, too. And sure enough, three or four generations of that family ended up in that prison. Well, your, your ending, your future doesn't have to be like that. And, and we can walk with God and trust that the blessing of God will overtake us on every side. And just because one family's trajectory is downward, it doesn't mean ours has to be that way. You're blessed. I'm blessed. So enjoy the things that God has done for us. We're not perfect. We're flawed. There's sin in all of us. We know that, but we don't have to dwell on that. We're constantly reminded of what's wrong with us by the power of the Holy Spirit that brings conviction of sin. And when we're convicted, we know we're guilty because where there is no guilt, the Holy Ghost doesn't convict. But have an experience of convicting power of the Spirit of God. We come back to the Lord, throw ourselves before him and say, Heavenly Father, forgive us on the basis of the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says, if any man has sinned, we have an advocate, the man Christ Jesus. So I, I look at all of you this evening and I think to myself, these are some blessed people. Our Savior came into this world. We recognize that during this particular season, which we call Christmas, because we know that he was born to save. The angel announced it to shepherds. A star manifested itself to some people in the east, directed them to the area of Bethlehem. They came asking the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews. Well, folks, if God would go through all of that in order to bring blessing to us, why would we reject something so wonderful? Something so wonderful. America is not going to remember what Christmas is all about. They're not. And, and uh, all this week, leading up to Christmas Eve and then next Sunday, Christmas Day, there'll be a lot of gifts given. Praise God. And there may very well be a lot of people feeding the, the poor and feeding the hungry at different soup lines and stuff like that. But I wonder how many people are going to take the time to open up that Bible and read the story about what Christmas is all about. Yeah, let's let's never forget that. It's easy to forget that. When I was a kid, there used to be an old um, Charlie Brown episode came on. Charlie Brown Christmas, you know. And if you can remember that at all, then you remember that everything was all commercialized 
in that particular episode with that cartoon. And, and so he's running around. He's, he's asking two or three people, what's this all about? What's Christmas all about? And people are talking about gifts and boxes and trees and all of this. And finally, in the middle of somewhere in that episode, he just stops and yells out. Say, Anybody can tell me what Christmas is all about. And then here comes Linus. And Linus has the answer and begins to tell them the story about what the angel said. I, I don't even know if they'll even let that on TV today, <laughs> you know. But, but here's the bottom line. It's easy to forget what this is all about when we don't remember that he was born to save. He was born to die. He was born to be raised from earth to heaven. And all of us were born to be born again. No doubt about it. Let's stand tonight. We trust that... Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. We know, of course, next Sunday night we won't be here. So as uh, everybody's with their family or together or whatever you'll be doing, have a great and lovely time. And uh, remember that following Tuesday, we'll be here this coming Tuesday, but that following Tuesday between Christmas and New Year, we don't have midweek services in any of the churches. But that following Sunday, we'll be right back out here. That'll be the first. We'll be right back out here expecting to have a lovely and glorious time. And so uh, we know it's going to be wonderful. And we'll look to see everybody come Tuesday night. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for again loving us so much that you were kind enough to send your son. And uh, now as we conclude this service, we're ever mindful of the blood that was shed on that cross and the miraculous birth that occurred on that evening, early morning, when our Savior came into this world. Help us to appreciate our redemption ever, evermore. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Amen.